Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Now I'm going to give you a recap because today is going to be really good, okay? Now this is part four of a series called The Exodus Factor. And last week, everybody say last week. So I always do a five-minute review so that people who are not here, it can build so you understand what I'm getting into. So last week, we talked about the principles of the wilderness. Everybody say principles. So we highlighted three main principles out of Deuteronomy chapter 8 last week. Okay, this is just a review. Uh, because today we're going to talk about the results of the wilderness. You're going to love this. But the purpose, everybody say purpose. We got it out of Deuteronomy 8. You don't have to read that, but it's, in my opinion, I can't think of any other scripture that has a clear, almost like the, the answer to the test in the Bible, what, what it says word for word of the purpose for something. You know, like it, sometimes when you read the book of Daniel, there's like you have to have interpretation of what three and a half and 70 weeks and 70, all that stuff means. But sometimes it's just Lazarus is dead. <laughs> what do you mean? He's dead. We're going to go raise them up. This time is the same. And I'm just going to read it, just a recap. G, uh, the Lord says in Deuteronomy 8, it's not going to be up there. This is a recap, all right? You shall remember the Lord your God who led you. We said this last week. These 40 years of the wilderness to humble you. I'm about to say humble you. To test you. Say test you. Say to know what's in my heart, whether I would keep his commandments or not. So in that scripture, define three main purposes. This is last week. We're just review, and then we're going to go dive into the word. Are you ready? Are you hungry for the word? So let's see if you remember. Come on, a good community, okay? I'm going to put you on the test. If God tests you in the wilderness, PG could test you in the sanctuary. At least it's not the wilderness. All right, do you guys remember what principle number one was last week? Come on, come on. You, you could cheat. You could go to your notes if you took notes. Huh? What is it? Yes. So the first principle, come on, Yali. The first principle was for the wilderness is he forms humility. Okay, he forms humility in the wilderness. Some of you were in the wilderness like me a long time because he just needs to form a little bit more humility. He said, I did this to humble you. And, and the reason why humility is so great is because I believe is the supreme characteristic Christ-likeness of Jesus. Other than holiness, uh, right, but his characteristics of humility. Wow. A king being humbled. Like this, but because of his humility, we found out what in Philippians that because of that humility, God entrusted him with a name above every name. So, if you read that scripture in Philippians, that title came after he says he humbled himself to the point of death. Humble yourself into the mighty hand of God, and what he will exalt you in due time. What was the second principle of the wilderness? To te- good job, there you go, to test us. And not what in what area this is review, what area mostly does he test us in? Our obedience to see if we're still obedient and our heart when it comes to our speech, complaining. If you read, this is just a little free for you. If you read 1 Corinthians 10, those who are lovers of the word, read 1 Corinthians 10 on your own time and see all of the categories that God lists in 1 Corinthians 10 of why the children of Israel did not go to the promised land. You'll freak out because in that list, there's idolatry. There's fornication. There's all these big stuff. And, it's, and, and the fourth or fifth one is, and complaining. What? Why would God put complaining in such a big, heavy list? Because complaining is an assault to God's sovereignty. It's an, complaining is assault. 
and it is an assault to God's sovereignty. In other words, we're saying to God, you don't know what you're doing in my life. I want this. You don't understand the process. I do. So it's an attack on his sovereignty. What was principle number three? Come on, you can look at your notes. Principle number three of the wilderness. To what? Yes. To reveal himself. About to say reveal. It's in the wilderness of Arabia where God revealed himself to Paul. In the wilderness. It was in the wilderness in the backside of the desert that, that God revealed himself to who? Moses. In the burning bush. Do you see that it's a place of revelation? But watch. This is the first scripture. The first scripture is going to be the review because it was so good. I've never seen this before. The, the last principle of the wilderness, here we're, we're, going, we're coming in now, okay, listen, was to prepare us for spiritual warfare. Think, think about this, because we had an altar call quickly last week because the, uh, the anointing was so strong. But do you realize that if you're in a wilderness season, God is actually preparing you to how to fight in the spirit realm? Do, do you realize that one of the purposes, watch this, now look at Judges, and then we're going to go to our opening scripture. But this is just so good. Look at Judges chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. We said it really fast, but this is only be two, two verses. This is so powerful for me. I, I, when I read this, I'm like, why did I miss this all these years? I never really caught this. Everybody say, the wilderness prepares me how to fight spiritual warfare. Before we read this, some of you, instead of taking authority, you're going, oh. This is happening to me. This stuff always happened to me. I'm, I'm guilty of doing that. God says, take authority. In the wilderness, I'm trying to teach you how to fight in the spirit realm. Watch this. Are you ready for this? There are the nations that the Lord left. He left. He left some enemies there, right? In the land to test. Come on, read it with me. To test those Israelites who had, I couldn't believe it, no experience. No experience in wars of Canaan, he did this. What's the purpose of, of, the, of the Lord leaving a little bit of the enemy behind and not wiping enemy, enemy all the enemies? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. God, why don't you wipe out every enemy? Oh, because he's be, before Mr. Miyagi was, he was Mr. Miyagi. He's like, oh, you don't understand, right? Wax on, wax off. I'm like, come on, I'm here to, t- to get karate. Come on, paint the fence, paint the fence, right? And all of a sudden, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. All from painting the fence and waxing the floor. But he didn't understand it that, that Mr. Miyagi was actually training him. Watch this. He did this to teach warfare to generations of Israelites. Say this loud with me. Who had no experience in battle. We have a lot of Christians that love God but have no experience in battle. We got a lot of Christians like, oh, Lord, I love you. But the moment they get into warfare, they're ready to quit. They're ready to backslide. They're, they're ready to, to get away. Why? God is allowing a little bit of the heat so that you can know how to fight, not flight. So, he's, so the wilderness prepares us and gets us strong so we can fight in battle, right? Now, that's the purpose of it. Now, here's the results of it. Are you ready? So the first result of the wilderness. I'm going to get right into it. I'm going to shoot from the hip right from the get-go. Put the first slide, walking in victory. The first result of the wilderness is walking in victory and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Woo! I'm not going to wait till the end to get good. It's going to get good right now. Everybody say the result 
of yielding to the wilderness process in my life. That dry season, come on. That agitated season where it seems, come on, say this with me, where it seems, where God's promises are a million miles away. That season prepares me to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. You say, that's good, but show me in Scripture. I'm glad you asked. Luke chapter 4, verse 13 in the NLT, right? This is a good Bible study. We're just having a family Bible study, so get your Bible out, right? Now watch this. Let me give you some context before you read the Scripture, okay? The context is that in the beginning of this Scripture in Luke, we said it last week, but again, I have to say it because we're talking about the results of the wilderness. Everybody say results. Come on, shout results. How many want to get results in your body? You got to go to the gym. I said it before and I'll say it again. You can't pray a six-pack in. There's certain things you just can't pray for. You got to stop eating donuts. Help me, Lord. And you got to eat right. Listen, and you got to go to the gym. It doesn't come automatically. Right? So watch this. Before I read the scripture, just to give you context, the Bible says in Luke, listen to me, chapter 4, verse 1, you don't have to go there, but just for your personal notes, the Bible says the Holy Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness, watch this, I'm going to say it word for word, to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. So the main purpose that Jesus went was to prepare him to face every temptation so that when he come out, he could say that he faced every temptation. Now watch this. So now, now, now here's where it's, now imagine that 40 days, 40 days being tempted. Imagine you being tempted not by, by your flesh, by the devil himself, because the devil himself tempted him. There's only one devil. So the devil himself showed up and tempted him, and he kept passing every test. That's why he could be our high priest. Watch this. Here goes. When the devil, verse 13, are you with me? When the devil had finished every temptation in the New King James, it says every temptation. Wrap your head around that. Let's pause for a second because we read this real quick. Every temptation? Pause. Pause for a second. How many of you have been tempted here? You better all raise your hand. Or you need to get saved. And get, you know. We all have gotten tempted here, right? Can we say that we've been tempted in every single area possible? I don't know if we have. Jesus did. Watch this. Watch this. When the devil finished tempting, this is the result. This is the re- Everybody say the result. Finished tempting Jesus in every area. Say every area. Watch this. He left him. He was like, I can't even get a crack in him. The devil left him until a next opportunity comes. Watch this. Then. Everybody say then. Come on. Everybody say then. After the 40 days of the wilderness, Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. And he taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. He came into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He came out 
filled with the power of the Spirit. And let me say something to you for those of you that desire ministry. If you desire ministry and skip the wilderness process, you will do a lot of harm. Jesus did not start his public ministry until he went to the wilderness. As a matter of fact, the, 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 the step right before his launching into ministry was wilderness. So guess what? If you're going through a really deep wilderness, maybe God is trying to birth an assignment to, through you. Maybe God is trying to birth a ministry through you because he's trying to prepare you so he could trust you. Say amen. So listen, we may not like the process of the wilderness, but we'll like the benefit package. Come on, somebody. Oh, God, this is so good. How many, how many, how many have a job that they don't like, right, but it pays pretty good? Come on, come on. You go to work, and you're like, man, you know, I don't like going to work, but man, it, you know, it, it pays all my bills. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Raise your hands, okay. How many have a job that pays good and has good benefits? Has good benefits. But I bet most of you don't just dream about going to your job. He got quiet up in this house. Watch this. You may not like going to your job, but you like the benefits of your job. You may not like the wilderness process, but if you yield to it, there's a great bonus benefit package from heaven that is coming when you get out. And one of the bonuses of going to work in the wilderness is you come out with the power of the Holy Spirit. The wilderness trains us, watch this phrase, how to walk in the Spirit. Listen to me, look at me, look at me. The wilderness trains us, thank you media team. The wilderness trains us, everybody say trains us, to walk in the spirit. Now listen to me, this is going to be good here. We have these phrases in Christendom that it's like they're buzzwords, right? But what does walking in the spirit really mean? What does walking in the spirit mean? Listen, hone in on me. Does walking in the spirit only mean that you're free from religious protocol? Some people think that. Some people have told me that. They're like, I just walk in the spirit. In other words, they're saying, I don't, I don't submit. You know, I don't have any, any, uh, anybody controlling me. Walking in the spirit is not uh, is so much being free from a religious protocol or religious system. Although, religious systems can be controlling. And they can quench the Holy Spirit. But do you know that walking in the spirit does not mean that you're free from protocol? This, I'm serious. Some people say, well, I just walk in the spirit. I don't, I don't got to obey this. I don't got to obey the pastor. I don't got to do anything. I don't got to do that. And some people use, listen, some people use a false narrative of walking in the spirit to convince them that they don't have to humbly submit to spiritual authority. I'm not saying that because I'm the pastor. I submit to people too. In this house, I'm the lead pastor. When someone has a class, I don't just go to, to Darren's class and say, hey, I'm the pastor here. Uh, I want you to teach this way. I never, I don't even know his, what he's, his, all his curriculum. He showed it to me before, right? I have vision that I want for the church, but I'm not going to tell. You could ask, you could ask Joanne back there. She is our worship leader. Do I ask her, hey, I need you to play this song, this song, this song? No. She said, you could tell me because I want it. And every now and then I say, look, can we have that song for altar call? But I ask her, listen, listen, I'm talking about submission here, right, to one another. I'm the lead pastor. And you know when I come up, some of you guys don't know that. When she nods her head, when she says she's finished, she could tell you that. You're like, well, you could come anytime you want. I could. But we submit one to another. Right? So what, so, what, so what is then walking in the spirit? It's not to be free from some religious system. Are you ready for this? 
by, listen, the wilderness gives us the discipline, please hear me now, to walk in the Spirit. Okay, so then what is walking in the Spirit? Have you heard that phrase before? Paul the Apostle commands the Galatians. He commands, he doesn't suggest, read it. He says, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. So, uh, so most Christians are like, okay, walk in the Spirit. Now, watch this. What, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Watch this. All right, I'm, walk, I'm walking with the Spirit. I'm talking with the Spirit, so maybe I'm walking with the Spirit. I'm going to give you definition to what it means to walk in the Spirit. Literally, by the Bible, okay? Now, in Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to read two versions. The New King James, and then I'm going to read the Passion. I love the Passion translation. All right, look at, now this is, remember, the result of the wilderness is that Jesus walked in power. The result of your wilderness is that you're going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to start overcoming things in your life. Come on, church, you should say amen to that. We need to start walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, not to slay people under the power, so that you can have victory. Watch this. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Watch this. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Okay? Now watch this. Watch this. This is, this is powerful. Do you see that the main purpose for walking in spirit is not so we can be free from some structure? The purpose of walking in the spirit is so we won't give in to the constant desires of the flesh. And the wilderness process establishes this discipline in us. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Now, I want you to see what walking in the spirit really means when you look at it in another translation. Are you ready? Because I'm going to ask you. What do you think walking in the spirit means? Now, today is going to be a little different. I want you to talk back to me for a little bit because this is like, this is like a, a family discussion. What, there's no wrong answer, even though some answers may not be totally right. The phrase walking in the spirit. Now, now the result of walking in the spirit is what? We just read it, right? So that we don't give in to the lust of the flesh. Is that correct? Right? We're all, you all with me? But what is walking in the spirit? How do you do that? Okay, by the power of the Holy Spirit, what else? How, what, 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 what does that phrase mean? I'm not talking about Greek or Hebrew. I'm talking about what does, what does it look like, right? Obedience, okay, obedience. Walking in the Spirit, okay, what else? Discernment, okay. My, mindset of righteousness, all those are good. All those are good, right? But I want you to see specifically what the Passion Translation says, walking in the Spirit means, and you're going to get the revelation. Ready? It's simple. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit. Look how, how this reads. You will abandon the cravings of your self-life. Your self-life, which is a flesh, right? Watch this. For your self-life, your flesh, but the, but the Passion Translation calls it the self-life. Isn't that amazing? Your flesh it has a life of its own. Wow. Your self-life. Woo! You got your self-life over here, and you got the spirit life over here. And they're constantly battling each other for more dominion over your heart. Watch this. Watch this. You're going to read it. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit. It craves it. Watch this. And hinder him. Hinder who? Come on. Let's be honest. That's right. That's almost blasphemy. Hinder the Holy Spirit? Your self-life hinders him. Watch this. From living freely within you. He's talking to the church. 
And the Holy Spirit's, though, intense cravings hinder your old self-life. So there's another opposite. Your cravings for uh, the yielding of the Holy Spirit from dominating you. So then the two incompatible conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new life of the Spirit. Are you ready for this revelation? Then what is walking in the Spirit yielding your will to the person of the Holy Spirit? That's what it is. It's all that you said, but specifically, the Bible says when you yield. That's that. If you look at if you look at the King James version and another version side by side, you will see that walk, if, walk in the Spirit, right? And that phrase is when you yield your will to the person of the Holy Spirit, it will hinder. Oh my God. You know what hinder means? Is to pummel, is to, is to slow down, is to significantly stop the process so that they won't be able to walk anymore. That's what hindering means. It's to cripple. Watch this. You know what walking in the Spirit is? Watch this. Are you ready? Yielding your will to the person of the Holy Spirit so that you can start dominating and hindering your self-life and so that your, your spirit life and desires will always be on top and you won't have those cravings anymore. That's what it is. So imagine, c- come here, uh, come here, uh, Harvest. So Harvest, he doesn't know this. I'm just, I'm just kind of, we're going to flow here, right? So he's my self-life, and he's alive and well. You have to be alive and well, right? No, 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 like move, move, move. Right? And so he's battling within me, right? And he's alive, and he's, and, and man, there's some things that I like about my self-life. And then there's the Holy Spirit. Come here, Darren, right here, Darren, Darren, right here. Darren, right here. Come on, Darren. Come on. Darren is the Holy Spirit today. He's my, he's my, my spirit-filled cravings. Come on. You're alive too. Come on. Come on. Move, move. Come on. There you go. So, so this, is the, this is the part of me that's alive in the Holy Ghost. Like I, there's something. Come on, right? There's some things like I, I crave righteousness, right? But I, also cra- but I also like anger and I also justify my anger and I also justify my complaining because I have an affliction. But at the same time, get closer. But at the same time, right, right, the, the Holy Spirit's alive in me, right? Now watch this. Oh, my gosh. Watch this. They're both battling. Watch this. What's the song? To relent until they have me. My flesh is going to fight until he has me. And the spirit's desire is coming and saying, listen, I want to watch this. But watch this. When we yield. Everybody say yield. This is all the wilderness, right? When you yield, say yield. Are you ready for this? The Bible says my yielding hampers hampers, hampers my flesh. Now, now watch. He's all limpy. You have to start limping. Start limping. All right. <laughs> he no longer can have any hold of me because this is strong in me. Come on. Say amen. Give it up for these guys. <laughs> I should have prepped them for it. So imagine yourself like going like this. Seriously. Like, I'm, I'm dramatizing it for a reason. That's what you do to your flesh every time you yield to the Holy Spirit. Every time, every time you yield to the Holy Spirit, your self-life is being hindered. Hinder that thing. What is the result of the wilderness? You will walk in the power of the Spirit when you yield your will to the Spirit of God. You want to walk in the Spirit? Get ready for a wilderness. 
I know that's not a shouting message. But boy, if you could get through that wilderness, God says, now it's time. Power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to start walking in power. Why? Because you fought battles in the wilderness. You fought demons in the wilderness. You fought temptation in the wilderness. Holy Ghost, come upon him. Come upon her. I could trust them now with my power. Some of us Christians have no power. We walk in no power. Do we know who's living inside of you? Do you know who's living inside of you? Or maybe because of this teaching, you find out maybe your self-life is dominating your spirit life. Maybe instead of us yielding to the Holy Spirit and we're attacking, the, watch this, the flesh, maybe our decisions are hindering, the Bible says hinder, and now the Holy Spirit's going, I want to get righteousness in you. It's my choice. It's your choice. It's your choice. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Watch this. Everybody say wilderness. Prepares me to walk in the spirit. You've heard that before, but now I broke it down for you. Walk in the spirit and you will not give in to the lust of the flesh. I just explained now from this point on what walking in the spirit means. It just means surrendering and yielding your will to the personal Holy Spirit. And then you will walk in power and in victory. Can I hear an amen? The second result. Are you getting something this morning? The second result result of the wilderness. Not the purpose. The second result. Now watch this. This is going to be simple. There's going to be a little... Subcategories with this, but I want you to take notes, is the promised land. They actually entered into the promised land. Okay, so the, when we pass the wilderness test, God will trust us with the promised land. How many have read the Bible before? Okay, how many have read the story of Exodus before? What happens, talk to me, after they come out of Egypt, after they face the Red Sea, and we talked about that, that's facing a decision, right? After they go through the wilderness and only a few families, because the rest couldn't enter. When they finally get to, the, to that place, what is it called? The promised land. Now, have you ever asked what the promised land represents? Let's, let's talk this morning, right? What does the promised land represent to, to the Israelites? And what does the promised land represent to you. So again, we're going to talk a little bit because I felt the Holy Spirit say, get the congregation involved. Let them talk to you. I'm like, I don't know if I like that, Lord, but it's okay. <laughs> so imagine you're the Israelites and you guys were walking in the deserts for 40 years and some of you were born like late, like in the 30th year. So you kind of like suffered maybe 10 years of the wilderness and then you're finally out because you're with the camp of Joshua and Caleb because they were the only ones and their families that really got into it. You, got, you guys are the ones who passed the test. Right? So now you're, now you're in the promised land. What does that represent to you? Okay, it represents rest. That's not in my notes. That's a good one. It represents rest. That's beautiful, right? All these years, now you're entering into rest. That's, promised land is important. The reason why I'm saying getting you guys involved, because I felt the Lord say the, the promised land is specific to certain people. It represents something different to certain people. So beautiful. Represents rest after Egypt, bondage. Facing a decision of the Red Sea, going through the wilderness, now you're in the promised land, righteous, right? It's a moment, right, for the Israelites, okay? So it represents rest. What else does it represent, the promised land? Huh? Fulfillment. Ooh, okay, I'm, he's touching something right there. He said fulfillment. 
Fulfillment. Remember that. That's in my notes. Fulfillment. Say fulfillment. Okay, fulfillment of what? Come on. The promises. Are you with me? The wilderness is when you like, before I used to hear about it, but now I can touch it. They told me about these pillars back in, back in the wilderness. They told me about these beautiful wood structures. Come on, somebody. The wilderness, sorry, the promised land to the Israelites represented rest. It represented fulfillment. But watch this. I, I asked you a question because I'm going to tell you what it represented to God. Are you ready? The, the promised land, when they finally arrived there, the few that, can be, that pass the test, represents, here's the results, sustained maturity. Come on, Pastor George is preaching good this morning. What is sustained maturity? Is when you finally go through Egypt. Come on, man. When you finally go through the Red Sea. And you got right, okay, and you repented and you made the right decision together. And then you get to the wilderness and you're crying and, and God exposes your anger and complaint. But then you finally repent and God says, okay, here's your promised land. God says, this is a place that I could trust you. And then you're going to have sustained maturity. Everybody say sustained maturity. Now, sustained maturity means it's for the long haul, not for a short period of time. We got a lot of Christians. We got a lot of Christians who are only strong when they come out of a journey weekend. You could take that graphic out, guys, for the people that are watching online. There are peop there's, there's people that are only strong where they come to an event or when they come to the altar call. And I don't discredit that at all. But that is not long-term maturity. We got a lot of people that start really fast and really strong, but they don't have the root system and maturity to stay strong. Remember, the, Jesus says something really powerful, which is kind of controversial, which I'm not going to get. But he says, those who endure to the end shall be saved. I could be beating Michael Jordan for, for, or, or, or whoever it is nowadays for maybe a second. Maybe I'm like one to zero. I'm like, I'm up on LeBron, one zero. But then he scores 11 straight points and he beats me 11 to one. No one's going to remember George Sotolongo. Because it's how you finish. That's why when the guillotine was about to go on Paul's head. And he is in jail probably for the last time. And he's looking up to heaven. And he's probably weeping. He goes, okay, this is probably my 12th prison. I'm going to ride again from the prison. You know what he said? He goes, I've run, the, I've fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And then he says, and then there lays up a crown of righteousness for them who believe. Not only me. I can imagine him looking up and saying, the guillotine is about to come soon. I've run the race. I didn't give up. I stayed to the end. Can we, can we be as Christians? Examine yourself today, please. How, are you just a starter that, that starts real quick and blazes up real quick and fizzles up in six months? I, I, I'm pastoring you today. I want you to stay strong. That's why I'm saying it. Do you only, are you only strong uh, when you have no pressures and everyone does it for you and they're casting things out of you and you're rebuking things? You're like, I'm free. And all of a sudden a month goes by and you don't get what you want. And, a, and a two months go by and you get some trials. Three months go by and you stop going to church. Are you still strong? Say this with me. Maturity 
is needed if we're going to sustain the pressures of our next level. Woo. Did you hear what I said? Everyone has a next level, but your next level has a next pressure. So maturity is needed to sustain your next level. How many want to go to the next level in God? Next level in your business. I guarantee you, I'm prophesying to you, new levels will equal new pressure. New pressure. There's an old saying, new level, new devil, right? But it's true. If we don't have maturity... God can elevate, watch this, can elevate you to a position where your character is not strong enough to sustain it. And so you'll be crushed in the process because now you're operating out of a high gift level and your character can't sustain it. So it will be crushed. That's why the promised land represents maturity. If you look at the people of Israel, it was people that most, most of them went through the test, passed it. They still had their issues, but it re- represented maturity. Everybody say maturity. And I won't get to it, but the, how can God trust us with something and not feel that we're going to sabotage his plans if there's not maturity in place? Right? I love, I love uh, uh, kids, but they're not ready to drive yet. So if I, re- if I withhold something from them, it's not because I don't love them. It's because I love them. I'm not going to give them the keys to my car because even though I love them, they're not mature yet to cook. They're not mature yet to drive. But I want it now. That's some of us. I want ministry now. No, you're still a little raw. You need to get in the oven a little bit. You're going to be cooked a little bit. You won't like it, but you're going to come out as gold. Watch this, watch this, watch this. I have another, it's not going to be up there. I have another, I get phrases when I study. Like I get phrases and I, and I, I didn't get this in a book. This is a PGV, right? The PGV version. Say this with me. Time doesn't heal everything, but time can reveal some things. So watch this. Time can't heal everything, but time can reveal something. What do I mean? If you've been walking with God for 20 years, 15 years, and you're still in a basic, this is not to to diss you, and you still can't understand the basic principles of the word of God, you still don't understand uh, the the, the deep things of the word, and and you're, you're still kind of tripping up on everything that you've done for 20 years, I lovingly say it's time to grow up. God still loves you, but he can't trust you with great responsibility. Hello? How many want to be trusted by God with great responsibility? Okay, that's five of you, ten of you. All right. Guess what needs to happen? You need to yield to the things so that you could be strong and mature. Say mature. The promised land, this is the second subtitle of the promised land, represents what you said. Look at the next thing. The fulfillment of the promises of God for the people of God and for Israel and for us too. Imagine... You being the Israelites, and for 40 years, you were a little kid. And for 40 years, you saw your grandmother and your grandfather, and they're toiling. And they see the judgment of God when Moses comes down from the mountain. You see all that. And they still disobey. And, and manna, you see this, you're eating this manna. You, you, you finally pass the test, and you're in the promised land. It speaks of the fulfillment of God's promises. In other words, he actually did what he said he was going to do. Hello? 
He actually did what he said he was going to do. In other words, the promised land is a reminder that God did not lie to you when he promised you something. Come on, somebody. When, he prom- when you finally get that kid that's been rebellious all these years and they turn to the Lord, that's a fulfilled promise. When you believe for healing for years and you finally get healed, that's a fulfilled promise. When you've been waiting to get married and, and, and the right person comes along and you finally get married, that is a fulfilled promise. When you've been praying that God will get you debt-free all your life and you're doing the right things and tithing, and finally you get to that place where God is pouring in blessings. It took years, but now you're in the promised land. What is your promised land? Come on. What is your promised land? Is it peace that's been eluding you for a long time? Is it some financial debt that has been eluding you for a long time? Is Is it a wayward child? Is it you being bound and now no longer bound? Is it, watch this, for some of you, just being joyful? <laughs> Sometimes that's your promise line. You're like, I haven't, I haven't, I, haven't I, I literally, this is not in my notes. Years ago, I was preaching somewhere. That just came on me. I'm preaching somewhere, and I'm preaching on inner healing somewhere. And the power of God came, and, and, the, and the spirit of God came. I remember this guy looking at me, just looking at me. He's crying the whole time. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying this both, but I see that all the time. He's just weeping, 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 crying, 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 right? And he looked at me, he goes, do you understand what happened to me today? I'm like, I don't know. I know God touched you. He said, I have not cried in five years. He told me that. I have not cried in five years. My heart has been so hardened because of the pain and of my childhood. I have not cried. He goes, it feels good to cry. He goes, I felt all this pressure leave me because I can't be strong anymore on my own strength. Come on, say Amen. So the promised land is the fulfillment of your promises. What have you been believing for? That's your promised land, right? That's the result of the wilderness, by the way. The result of the wilderness is your promised land. Thirdly, the subtitle of the promised land, the promised land represents a place of conquering and victory. When they finally got to the promised land, they started taking over everything. Oh, that's so powerful. Like they didn't take over a lot of things when they were in the wilderness. They couldn't. When they crossed over the Jordan, oh my goodness. If you study Joshua and the book of Joshua and the Israelites, they were so hungry to dominate that they started taking over territory. Watch this. Watch this. Are you ready for this? When you are trusted in the wilderness process, the result is God will, God will trust you with influence. And you'll start taking over territory in your life. You'll start taking territory over your business. You'll start taking territory over your home. You'll start taking territory over over personal things in your life that the enemy has had you for a long time. And you'll start having victory. All this is a part of the wilderness result. When you allow, come on, don't be sleeping on me. When you allow the wilderness to shape you, you'll walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll come into your promised land. And here's a third one. We're going to have the worship team come up. The third one The third result, you're going to love this now. Save the best for last. Watch this. The third result is total dependence and trust in the Lord. The result of the wilderness, watch this. You're going to say, you're going to say, I'm going to give you a scripture. It's total dependence and trust in the Lord. Total dependence. Okay, watch this now. Watch this now. You come in to the wilderness a little arrogant 
a little cocky, but you come out of the wilderness totally depending on God. You say, how? Watch this. Watch this. I want everybody to turn to Song of Solomon. Watch this. I, I, I hardly ever talk about Song of Solomon. But look at Song of Solomon chapter 8. Look at this. This is so good. Song of Solomon chapter 8. I want you to read this with me loud. Come on. I want you to read this with me. Everybody pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. Are you ready? Listen, listen. Here comes this woman who came into the wilderness and she was looking for her beloved. Look at what her friends say. They saw her coming out. Where was she coming out of? Who is this? Come on, come on, shout with me. Coming out of where? Leaning on her beloved. You come out of the wilderness leaning. You know what leaning means? Put that, put that verse, put that, uh, that point up. When you lean on somebody, it means that you are totally dependent on their strength to carry you. Total dependence and trust. Listen to me. Leaning on someone is a sign, say a sign, of my dependence on their strength to help carry me. Oh, come on, someone shout to the Lord. Listen, 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 listen. Leaning on someone is a sign of your dependence on their strength to help carry you. Look at me, church. Look at me, church. The, the, the Bible says this is an allegory. Look at me. That this woman, this Shulamite woman, was so lovesick. Zoom, me, zoom in. She was lovesick for her bridegroom. Watch this. And she couldn't, this is a revelation, and she couldn't find him. She couldn't find him. So she kept knocking on doors, if you remember. Have you seen my, have you seen my beloved? Have you seen the one that I'm longing for? No, he's not here. He's not here. Watch this. Watch this. All that was in the wilderness. I got a revelation. The wilderness is where God tests our love for him, but it's also a place where we always say, where are you, God? Ooh, you missed that. You missed it. You missed it. You missed it. The wilderness is where we say, I love you, God, but I don't feel you. I love you, I'm testing you, I love you, and I don't feel an ounce of your presence. Where are you? The wilderness is the place where God is not found very easy. The wilderness is, where are you? Where are you? Shulamite woman, have you seen him? Have you seen him? Watch this. She comes in. A little, we come in arrogant. We come in prideful. We come in in our own strength, and we leave with his strength. We come, we come in with our way, and we come out his way. Come here, Harvest. I'm going to use you again. Use you. Stay right there. Watch this. Stay right here. Stay right here. Watch this. We come into the wilderness knowing stuff in our own ways. And we come in maybe a little prideful and a little bit a little arrogant. We come to the wilderness, and now we're saying, God, God, it's, where are you? Where are you? Wilderness. Say, where are you? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever said, God, where are you? Where are you? Have you seen him? And somewhere along the wilderness that we don't know, she finds him. And when she finds him, there's this love dialogue. And all of a sudden, we don't know the in-between, but she becomes dependent on him. And all of a sudden, from a distance, her friends are saying, who is that? Coming out of the wilderness, leaning on her beloved. Who is that? coming out of the wilderness where are they coming out of the wilderness what happens when you come out of the wilderness you no longer watch this are you ready for this look at me you're no longer independent you're dependent 
You no longer, I could do this, God, that's fine, you're over there. I have my ways, you have your ways. I'm tired, you're not answering my prayers. You're not answering my prayers. I call to you all the time, and you know that I'm desperate, and you've been silent. So I'm just going to run the church like I run the church. God says, okay, do that for a little while and see how that works for you. God, God, where are you? God, I need you. God, I don't feel like coming to church today. I don't feel like preaching today. I'm just giving you some real insight. Lord, I love my people. I just, can you give this church to another person? Give it to another person. I'll do something else. And finally, you find him. And there's something that happens in that finding that when you come out, you come out leaning. And you're clinging, you're clinging, you're clinging. And you can't let go of him. Come on, you can't let go. Because in the wilderness is where you find God. And when you come out leaning, come on, you come in with no strength, you come in with his strength. And Paul the Apostle, before I, before I end, but Paul the Apostle, I feel the Holy Spirit here. Paul the Apostle, in his famous words, he said something, he said two things that he knew this principle well. Remember, Paul the Apostle was in the deserts. And God did a work in him. And you know, there's two scriptures I want to say before we close. I feel, how many feel the Holy Spirit here? Look, watch this. Watch this. In 2 Corinthians 12, look at what Paul says. This is Paul. Everybody say leaning, dependent. Come on, say on his strength. Say the key result of me going through the wilderness is trading my strength for his strength. Instead of I could do this on my own, you say I can't do it without you. Your language changes from, I got this, I don't need this, I don't need church, I don't need your help. Don't call me, don't touch me. Two, please, Lord, I can't do this without you. God says, are you ready? I've been waiting for you. I won't relent. I know you've been a little stubborn, but it's okay. It's okay, I'm waiting. Watch this now. Therefore, verse 10, come on, everybody say, therefore. I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches. Who in their right mind would say that? Who in their right mind would say that? Because he knows the result, church. In needs and persecutions. Listen, look, 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 look. I take pleasure in persecution and in distress for Christ's sake. Say this with me. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, his strength is made perfect. Now, I saw something I never saw before. Then we're going to pray. The Apostle Paul gives a revelation of the armor of God when it comes to spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6. Never in the Bible, there's no other place in the Bible where there's a revelation on spiritual armor, like the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. But do you know the prerequisite for that? No one ever studied that. Do you know the prerequisite for putting on your armor? I bet no one ever studied that. We just say, I'm going to put on, I'm going to put on by faith the armor of God. You know what the Bible says? Paul the Apostle described what he went through in the desert to produce this kind of yielding. Look at what Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, and then we're going to pray. Before, the, before he even says the armor, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Wait, wait, wait. Finally, my brethren, be strong not in your own intellect, not in your own church experience, not in the way that you interpret how church should be, not in your degrees, not in your criticism, 
Be strong in the Lord, in him, not in your power, and in the power of his might. Look at what the very next verse says. I didn't give it to you. Look at what the very next verse says after he says, be strong in the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord. Put on God's armor. Do you see that? Before you put God's armor, you have to yield your strength to his, and you have to come out of the wilderness leading. Here's the goal that I have for every one of you, that you will come out of the wilderness leaning on your beloved. That you'll come out of the wilderness with maturity, with fulfillment of the promises. Listen, and that you will come into this place where I just said, where the wilderness, the wilderness will be a place of total dependence and trust in the Lord. I want us to stand up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is going to be probably the last message of this series. And I want to tell you, the result of the wilderness. Everybody say this, the result. Come on, say it like you mean it, church. Say the result of my personal wilderness experience. Say the result of my personal wilderness experience is number one. Come on, say it with me. Walking in victory and the power of the Holy Spirit. Say number two, I get to get my promised land. I get to see my promised land. And number three, I come leaning on my beloved. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.